This week on Developer Weekly. What I'm really interested in is are your followers, and and we could call this your audience, is your audience relevant to you? Hey friends, are you stressed, burnt out, or on your way to burnout? Or do you just want to become healthier? My new course will teach you what stress is and how to recognize a burnout and also how to prevent it and recover from it by working on the pillars of health, like sleep, food, exercise, clean living and active relaxation, and also by changing your life, your work, relationships and your environment. Even if you are not burnt out or stressed, you can use these tactics to become healthier and live a longer and happier life. Check the course out at azureberry.com slash burnout. And if you don't have access to Pluralsight, reach out to me on Twitter or email and I'll send you a 30-day free trial code that you can use for this course and all other Pluralsight courses. Again, check it out at azureberry.com burnout. Welcome to another episode of Developer Weekly. This week, I'm talking with Jason Alba about personal branding. This will be interesting. Jason is a book author, Pluralsight author, speaker, entrepreneur, and proponent of multiple income streams. Hey, Jason. How are you? Hey, hey Barry. How are you doing? I just got to say, man, you got a great voice for this. Like, <laughs> sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I worked a lot on my radio voice when I was, uh, was a kid playing radio. It, <laughs> well, uh, it, it works out well with a podcast. It was good practice. Good practice. <laughs> Uh, so why are you a fan of uh, multiple income streams? Oh, man. I mean, I'm a fan of multiple income streams because, uh, you know, at, at the beginning of my real career story, like I've, I had jobs and a career before this, but back in 2006, I got laid off from a company where I was a general manager as a little software company. And um, I shouldn't have been laid off. Uh, There was a lot of things that I was doing and contributing to and stuff like that. Uh, But, you know, long story short, I got laid off and, and I realized that that company took away, or I should say the people in that, in the decision-making process to lay me off, they took away a hundred percent of my income and it was really painful. You know, they, they, um, they, they, they felt sorry, I guess they, they said they were sorry, uh, but they went back to collect their their uh, salaries and had their benefits and and all that stuff. And I, I was left all alone with nothing. And I thought, man, so fast forward a little bit, um, actually, probably just two or three months later, I started this this company called Jibber Jobber. And I did it just as kind of a side hustle. I, I, I was still looking for my job. I still thought I was going to like have this amazing career as an executive or whatever. And, uh, my goal was I want to make a hundred dollars a month and that's it. That, that's all I really cared to make because when I get my next job, if I get laid off again, I didn't want to let them take away a hundred percent of my income. I wanted them to, you know, whatever they're going to take away, at least let me have a hundred bucks a month that they couldn't touch, which is nothing, right? Like you can't live on a hundred bucks. You can't do anything with hundred bucks, but just for the the mental aspect of it. So let me fast forward about, uh, let's see, 2008 to 20, 2006 to 2018, it was uh, 12 years later, I, I got another job. Like I'd done entrepreneurship in during all those years, but 
I found this amazing job that I just couldn't pass up. And 10 months later, I was getting laid off again. And I sat across the table from this lady who was um, sad or whatever, like she came across as sad. Uh, you know, I'm really sorry. And, <laughs> and I was, I was looking at her and I thought you aren't even taking away 50% of my income. It was a really good job. I got paid very well, but to be in a position where getting laid off, did it impact my ability to pay my bills and have my lifestyle was unbelievable and that came because of having multiple streams of income yeah yeah and that is very empowering i uh, i find that myself as well uh, when you rely on something like a company for instance to give you money each month in exchange for your time then you know it could just be taken away and not because they 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 are bad people yeah. just because you know circumstances yep. businesses are there to make money not to take care of you so sure. if the economy turns or something, they have to take care of themselves. And it's not, not their fault per se, yep. but it's kind of your fault for not being for being in that position. Although it's well, difficult kind of to not be in that position, isn't it? I, I agree with you. It, it is your fault for, for putting yourself in that position. However, you know, back in the 1900s, I'm a product of the 1900s. I was born in 1973. Okay, so... My idea growing up from 1973 was that, you know, we, we find a um, we find a, a great job that we stay with for 20, 30, 40 years and they treat us really well. We're making good money. And then we get this thing called a pension. And uh, I, I don't know about where you're at, but in the U.S., like the, the pension doesn't even exist anymore. There are very, very few places where you can get a pension uh, but I grew up for a long time with this idea that I'm going to work at one, maybe two places for a long time uh, and then uh, and then retire with a really healthy pension and stuff like that. So that's kind of what the, if you will, the social contract, like that's what a lot of us grew up on. And uh, and man, things changed. Yeah, they me changed. Too. Yeah. I don't think there are bad changes. I honestly am really excited about the opportunities that we have today. But one thing that I really talk about when I'm on stage talking about career management is we have to shift our thinking and move away from the idea that we're going to have a job that's going to take care of us maybe for the rest of our life. Yeah, absolutely. I also grew up on that same uh, paradigm. Uh, you know, our parents all did, did that thing. They just worked somewhere for uh, maybe 30, 40 years at the same company. And uh, of course, and they were also loyal to that company in exchange yeah. and they ex expect also loyalty back, yeah. which usually worked out well. But now also companies do not have uh, such long lifetimes sometimes. Yeah. And they might yeah, be more that... flexible as well with their employees. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me tell you a funny story. So when I started my uh, uh, job search in 2006, a, a friend got me into an interview uh, at his company. And it was pretty much a done deal. Like my friend was high enough up. Uh, his brother was the one that was interviewing me. It wasn't a family business, but they <laughs> okay. just happened to be brothers. And he put in a really, really good word for me. Right. So it was pretty much mine. Well, I came from, um, my background was that my dad worked for the government and, um, during college, I worked for the same government agency uh, and, and it was a law enforcement agency and you had to 
declare if you had income coming in from anywhere else, right? Because they were worried about like, hey, we know right. how much we pay you. Why do you and your wife both have a Mercedes? Like, are you taking bribes and are you now a national, you know, uh, yeah. a threat, right? So, so anyways, this is the mentality that I grew up with that not only that you work for one job for a long time, but you can't have any other income, right? And so um, I'm, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I was done with college. Like I was an adult, right? I had kids and stuff. So I would go into this interview and I'm like, hey, by the way, I, uh, I started this little website called Jibber Jobber and it makes a little bit of money each month. It's, it's really no big deal. I said, is there a problem if I have this side hustle? And I, I was honestly coming into it thinking people don't have side hustles. Like if, if you're if you have a real job that pays good money, you don't do other stuff. Right. And the guy looked at me and he said, yeah, yeah that's no problem. I mean, the guy across the, the hallway here, he owns a catering business and the guy next to him owns a movie theater. And I was like, <laughs> well, how come I never heard that this multiple income thing was a possible, not only a possibility, but a lot of the people that I have found to be successful in their career also have something else going on. I always thought in order to be successful, you had to be like 110% loyal and give everything you had to your main employer. And then I started learning, well, this guy has a bunch of rentals and this guy does day trading and this guy. And it was like, okay, well, the, the secret is out for me and I'm going to encourage other people to jump on this bandwagon. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then things change now with these new paradigms where basically you can do anything because of the internet. You can make yeah. money creating courses online like you and me do. You can create an online business, a website. You can have a podcast. You can make money off of that. That's not this one, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but still, you know, there are so many opportunities. It's yeah. If, if you have the imagination, you can do it. But then you also need to be found online. Yeah. So you need a brand you need a personal brand yeah yeah so so i have a, a personal brand as well it's called uh, azure barry it's like my moniker as in i know something about azure and my name is barry and i don't pronounce my last name because nobody can yeah. pronounce it anyways <laughs> that would mess up so your brand, this right? is easy <laughs> yeah so it's like azureberry.com and azureberry on twitter and it's going okay you know but yeah, it could go better. <laughs> yeah. Of course, it could always go better. Uh, I I tend to, I try not to compare myself to others, <laughs> especially when it comes to followers and reach and all that uh, type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but still, I see people out there that have a lot more reach and a lot more impact. Let's say on Twitter and even on LinkedIn as well. Sure. So that's my personal band. So how would I go about improving that? Well, I mean, first of all, I love Azure Berry. Like, like it, it takes <laughs> away um, any question that anybody might have. You know, like when people find out that you or I or, or someone is a technologist, you know, what does that mean? It's kind of like saying I'm in HR. Well, my heavens, I, I thought that HR did these certain things. And then I started working with HR people and I found out there were very specialized people in HR um, yeah. you know, yeah. and same with technology, right? Like everybody in technology knows that if you say you're in technology, I mean, that's almost like saying you, you breathe oxygen and you're human, right? Like that's just too big. Right. <laughs> so I love how you've narrowed it yeah. down to Azure Berry. 
Um, I so mm-hmm. let me let me get um, away from what I would consider a myth of followers. I think a lot of people um, look at the number of followers that somebody has, especially if you're comparing to someone else who is in a position that they've been doing it longer or whatever. A lot of followers doesn't always mean that the the person with a lot of followers has an audience, right? Like I, I actually went through, oh, maybe a year or two ago, and I looked at my Twitter followers. I had taken a long hiatus from Twitter. And, and so I went in and I started looking at my followers and most of the followers from eight years prior were gone. Like they hadn't been active on Twitter for years. So it looks like I have a lot of followers, but I'm going to say that most of my first round of Twitter followers from like 10 years ago, they're not even doing anything on Twitter. They're not paying attention to it. They're not posting it. They probably don't even have, they don't know how to log in. Right. Um, So, so I wouldn't worry about the number of followers. What I'm really, really interested in and and when I say Twitter, it's whatever social network you're on or that you care about. What I'm really interested in is are yeah. your followers, and, and we could call this your audience, is your audience relevant to you? Okay, so let me give you an example. You can go mm-hmm. out and buy a list of, say, 5,000 people to follow you. Or, or you can buy an account that already has like 30,000 people following it. But let's say none of them... In my case, a lot of my followers were from the social media world because that's when I they started following me when I uh, wrote a book on uh, LinkedIn and then I wrote a book on Facebook and then there was talk about writing a book on Twitter. And so all these social media managers started following me. Well, guess what? They're really not relevant to what my message is right now. Right. And so I might have like five or 10 or 30,000 followers, but only five of them are people who are in the technology space interested in working on their soft skills, right? And so there's this, I want you to move away Mm -hmm. from number and I want you to think about relevance because if you came to me and said, Jason, I have a thousand followers that are relevant to me, that's way more important and impressive to me than if you were to come and say, I have 5,000 followers. Well, who are they? I, I don't know. I never hear anything about them. Right. So in my course on personal branding and plural side, yeah. I talk about uh, your space. Your space is your profession, your uh, industry and your geography. Th- these are three different elements of whether somebody might be relevant to you. So when you're when you're trying to network with people, um, you might find somebody local to you, which is in your geography or someone that lives close to people that where you want to network into a company or something like that. So those people are relevant to you geographically, mm-hmm. even if they're not in your profession or industry, they don't understand your jargon. They don't understand what Azure is. They don't have no idea what the cloud is. They don't, they don't do technology, but they might be an executive at, or, or some kind of influencer and know people who you should talk to because you're, you're targeting a geography, right? So what I say is, Try and find people in your profession or industry or geography. And if you can find someone who is in your profession and your industry and your geography, that's an awesome contact. Yeah, that's like uh, somebody that's the glue inside of your network, basically, that can attract other people as well and get, uh, get the message out. Exactly. And going back to your glue idea, if somebody is that glue and they can attract, they can attract others to your network, 
who are they going to attract? They're probably going to attract people who are in your profession or industry or geography just because of the nature of who they are and who they hang out with, right? And so that as you get more people that are relevant to you, you should be attracting through them their contacts who are also relevant to you. What I uh, find with the podcast and with uh, just content that I, that I create is that sometimes I have these, let's say, super fans that I've interacted with one-on-one maybe on LinkedIn or uh, with uh, direct messages on Twitter. And um, uh, they now like basically everything that I do. They promote my content actively. So these are very valuable people that that like my stuff. I like them. We connect. And therefore, you know, they, they are fans basically. How would you attract these people? Man, I love super fans. I, um, you know, the funny thing is when I, when I, as you started talking about that, I thought about the handful of people that I would consider super fans. And I've never really thought of them as like, Hey, it's a super fan. It's like, that's my friend. Like my yes. first thought yeah. is that's my friend. And, and I wonder how they're doing and I wonder how their, yeah. their family is and how their career is like, I really care about these people. Um, so that's, that's nice. Right. But your question is how do you attract these people? The thing that I would do and that I do do is I look for people who are in my space, right? These people that are relevant to me based on profession, industry, or geography. You could tell that 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 space concept is foundational to a lot of what I do in personal branding, right? I want you to be, if you're relevant to me, then I'm really interested in some kind of relationship. So I look at people that are relevant to me and that are, that are active in whatever social environment that I'm interested in at the time, right? Right now I'm mostly active on Twitter, right? And so um, if I find someone who's in my space and I see that they tweet a lot or or, or that they tweet valuable stuff and it's getting reactions um, or that maybe they're in a position uh, where they can, uh, they can be an influencer in an organization or an industry, like maybe they're not so active on Twitter, but I know that they're active, you know, face to face in the industry or in their company or something like that. Those are people that I would strategically start to network with. Um, the way that I've done it in the past is I don't mm-hmm. really like target you and focus on you for a long time. I try to have uh, conversations and communication and a relationship. And if it doesn't go anywhere, I don't chase you down very hard. And maybe I should chase down a little harder or a lot harder. But for me, it's like, hey, you know what? Let's. I'm going to throw something out there. And if you reciprocate and it starts to build, then let's do it. Like, I, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, but I, I think that's probably, if I were to advise you or somebody listening to this podcast, what one thing that, that I think is important for us to understand is we need to be strategic about how we approach these types of relationships. It's not just like throw something out and maybe something will come back, right? I remember back when I wrote the book on LinkedIn, people were like, well, I've tried LinkedIn and it didn't work for me. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Like you put a profile up, that that's trying. Did you do any networking? Did you write any articles? <laughs> Did you comment on anybody yeah. else's stuff? So let, let me share a story with you that th- this, this story is multi-years old, but it, it really illustrated this idea to me. So there was this lady who wrote for, uh, let's see, I knew that she wrote for the Boston Globe because that was on her bio. 
And so um, I actually would go out to her blog and I'd leave comments, like conversational comments, like, hey, I really like this, this post and here's what I like about it or here's what I think about it. And I, I had this conversation, you know, in individual blog posts. And then one day she reaches out to me and she says, hey, I'm writing an article that has to do with job tracking software and you're the CEO of Jibberjobber. You're the creator of Jibberjobber. So I'd like to interview you. Like, can we get on the phone? Yeah. Okay, so we get on a call and and we do this really fun conversation for maybe, I don't know, like a half an hour or an hour. This is a long time ago. And then she later on, she emails me a link to her article that she wrote, which is in the Boston Globe, which I don't know what the reach is of the Boston Globe, but... I mean, Boston, like that's like very historic in U.S. history. And it, it just sounded really cool, right? So there's this article and it <laughs> yeah. had 10, 10 points and like point number four or number seven. It was like buried down there, right? It said something like, you should use a uh, online job search tracker like jibberjobber.com. So she wasn't even saying use jibberjobber, but she's like, use something like jibberjobber. And she didn't link to it. There was no link. And that ended up on the front page. Uh, I think it ended up on the front page of Boston Globe. All right. So check this out. This lady was a hustler. She took that article and she sold it to Yahoo. Remember Yahoo? Like before Google, <laughs> Yahoo was a big deal. Well, by this time, I didn't even know people still used Yahoo, right? But I remember being at my desk. I had a little card table in my bedroom. Like this is real startup level. And I had my laptop and I was getting ready to go out, you know, for a walk or for lunch or something like that. And I got an email, got a new sign up. And then like three seconds later, got a new sign up, got a new sign up. And this was back in the day when it was like in the early days, if I got 10 signups a day, I was like, yeah, I got 10 signups today. And I got, I, and then it was like every two seconds and then every one second. And during a two hour period, I got, I don't remember, I think it was like 2000 new signups. Okay. And what happened was wow. Yahoo put it on the front page of Yahoo Finance. And because it was on the front page of Yahoo Finance, which was probably like finance.yahoo.com, it actually got into the carousel of yahoo.com, right? So we all of a sudden, so what you had to do was, yeah. you had, if you remember Yahoo, it was really busy. There was like tons, dozens and dozens and dozens of links and, and stuff that you could look at. So if you went to yahoo.com, you had to hit the carousel at the right time to see her article. And then you had to go into her, you had to click in to see her article, read it, get down to number four, and then there was no link. So you actually had to copy and paste that into a browser. And during this two hour period, there was over 2000 people that did that. Totally blew my mind. But that's the wow. power of finding someone who you might call her an influencer, right? finding someone who is relevant to you, yeah. who has a reach and can introduce you to their network. Now, I wish I could say I've repeated that multiple times over the years. I haven't, but it was a testament to me of how important it was to find people who could introduce you into their networks. Wow. That's an incredible story there. It was and yeah, cool. Yahoo had an incredible reach back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were the internet for a while. They were the internet, yeah. And now, uh, well, we use different things. <laughs> I use mainly Twitter as well and LinkedIn for my uh, stuff. I yeah. don't use uh, Facebook or uh, what's that called? Instagram for yeah. my, uh, my brand. But, you know, I am also getting older and there are lots of younger 
technologists, well, I'm, I'm 38, I'm still youngish, <laughs> but I'm not young anymore. So there are also like uh, newer technologists, people that are getting into technology that get just are getting out of college, let's say. Yeah. And I kind of have no idea how to reach these people because they they don't look at LinkedIn all day. They might not even be on Twitter. They might be on completely different channels, which I might not even know about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how do you go about uh, about you know getting your brand out to new audiences that you don't even know? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, if if I knew the answer to, if I was really smart about that, I would have bought like a hundred thousand dollars of GameStop, right? But I wasn't following. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't following that channel and the thread yeah. on Reddit because I don't yeah. really go into Reddit, right? But but yeah. what that showed us was that in this obscure, and I'm going to say obscure, but Reddit is like immensely popular, so it's not really obscure. Obscure. But if you're talking to people who think that like LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter are the only places, just go back a few weeks ago in history when Reddit almost single-handedly changed the stock market world. Like it really shook them for sure, right? Yeah. So, um, so oh, l- yeah. let me back into the to answer your question. I want to back into your question instead of thinking about you know, what are all the different technologies and which ones should I go into and how do I do it? Like a lot of people jump too far into like, well, how do I, how do I have an Instagram strategy? My question first is going to be, Mm. is your audience in Instagram, right? Because um, what Mm. I found is for, for Jibber Jobber, for example, which is like a CRM for job seekers. What I found is that people in school did not even understand that they needed to keep track of their network in a private place with a CRM. They thought, well, I'm already connected to my friends on Facebook. And so that's all that I need for my networking, right? Well, you get a little bit older and you get laid off a few times. And now you're looking for like a $100,000 job instead of a $40,000 job. It's a whole different environment, right? So um, my best audience and my best networking for Jibber Jobber is on LinkedIn because that's where that audience is. The younger network who is really like on Snapchat and, you know, whatever other social environments, they're not there like on TikTok. Nobody's on TikTok to look for job search technology or job search advice, right? So, so the answer to your question really comes back to who's your audience and where are they? What are they doing? I've heard recruiters complain that LinkedIn is a horrible place to find technologists. And and I've heard technologists say, I hate being on LinkedIn because I get hit up by 10 recruiters every day. (laughs) Right. Well, that's like that's like an ineffective market for one another. And my answer is and, and I'm not I'm not. Listen, if you're a technologist, I, I'm sorry that I'm going to say this because there might be a recruiter listening, but I tell recruiters, go mm-hmm. to where your target audience, you know, your developers or whatever, where are they hanging out and where are they, where's the water cooler for them? Where are they chatting with one another? Whether it's on, um, on, on, uh, a, a website where they're, uh, pitching a problem and saying, how do I fix this? And then other people come in. And, and they, they want to help fix that because 
for them, it's like, hey, here's a challenge. Like, I want to solve a problem today. I want to help some. It's not that I'm like super helpful, but like you presented me a math problem and I want to solve that math problem and, and be smart and feel like I had an accomplishment. Yeah. So my answer like is Stack Overflow is a site like that. Yeah. Per- perfect example. Like people go to people go to Stack Overflow and there's definitely socializing and that's fine, right? So, so the people yeah. that spend time, I mean, I, I know there are people that wake up in the morning and they're like, I'm, I want to go to Stack Overflow and see what, what problems I can solve and what puzzle pieces I can find and contribute. They're not saying I can't wait to go to LinkedIn so I could read something from a recruit. You know what I mean? So where are people <laughs> going? Where are they yeah. hanging out? And, and you know what? It might even be a Slack channel right? Like you've seen Slack channels kind of pop up and it's like, yeah. Hey, we're the Azure, you know, for, uh, Guadalajara and Mexico. We're the Azure group on, on Slack. Yeah. Right. And so, so anyways, that really is the question. Who's your audience? Where are they mm-hmm. hanging out? And then the key is you don't go into that channel or jump into a conversation and say, Hey, I'm a recruiter and I'm looking for someone. You go in more of, I mean, you wouldn't do that if you went to a physical meetup. You don't walk in and you're like, hey, I'm a recruiter. Every, everybody come talk to me. You're more like, you, you, you get to know people, right? And so you kind of come in more calm yeah. and, and you, because you want to be a part of the group, not really a vendor to the group. Yeah. Be a normal human. <laughs> That's what we all want. We all want that dignity from people yeah. being human. Exactly. And uh, respect as well. Yeah. So I think we have uh, time for uh, one last uh, topic. So we've talked about um, the type of audience that you can have, uh, defining your niche, where you want to operate in, like Azure for me in this case, uh, and also where your people might be. And then the next question is for me, how would I then reach those people with what type of content? Because you can do podcasts like this, you can blog, you can tweet, you can write little LinkedIn posts, you can do all sorts of things, YouTube videos. Um, and within that, what I usually do, I keep it very business-like. So what I share on Twitter, for instance, is, uh, hey, there's an Azure service update about this, and this is coming up, webinar is coming up, hey, I have some new content. And I usually keep my personal life out of it. And I do that on purpose. I don't know if it's the right thing. For me, it's currently the right thing because I don't want to, for instance, involve politics and opinions about that type of stuff because I know people have different opinions about it and that's totally fine. But I don't want to bother my audience with my opinions about it because they come for tech stuff, I think. Yeah. So what is your philosophy on that? Because I know that some people, uh, let's say, tweet the whole person instead of only the work person. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's, you know, especially this last year in the U.S. with the election between Trump and Biden, like it got, I mean, you could see fistfights going on in Twitter. Like people were just really upset. And I mean, this is this this was worse than a religious debate, really. Like, (laughs) let's talk about something really calm, like religion. Right. Um, So my 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 thought is, you know, when I'm doing this type of let's call it marketing. Right. Because branding is a component of marketing. So my thought is that that Mm -hmm. you keep it on brand, you keep your marketing clean. I like um, learning about you as a human. I think it's interesting. 
Um, I, I, you live in the Netherlands, right? Are you in the Netherlands or yeah. Belgium? Yeah. Netherlands. Yeah, I'm in I the th- Netherlands. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fascinating, right? And so, I, if you were to say, like, "Hey, here's what I do on a normal Saturday," or "Here, here are the technology um, uh, challenges or the tech environment of working from home," right? And which is going to be very different than someone in, say, mm-hmm. Venezuela yeah. who talks about like power outages or or how how to get the best internet connection. I personally am fascinated by that. And so um, what I've learned and and stuff like family stuff and and whatever. So what what I've I've, uh, saw years and years ago is that um, when you're doing this type of marketing, you have some kind of ratio like 80-20 or 70-30 where I'm going to to message out, you know, 70% um, businessy, professional, you know, stuff that has impacts my life, like a standing desk. Like, do I like standing? But the other 30%, I'm actually going to promote a thing. And that might be promoting a LinkedIn group. It might be promoting one of my courses. It might be promoting my website. So, because the thing is, if all you do is promote, people are going to be like, okay, we get it. You have courses, you have books. I mean, we understand that's what you do. But I want to yeah, connect yeah, with you yeah. at a personal level. And I don't know if it's right, you know, 30, yeah. 30, 70 or 70, 30. You have to figure out what the right ratio is for you. When I release a new course, I'm pretty heavy on promoting the course. But in between, I'll talk more about like lifestyle things that are not like not like offensive or whatever. I, you know, I have opinions about politics and, and religion and lifestyle and choices and all that stuff. But I don't feel like my my Twitter or my LinkedIn is the platform where I really need to to say and and especially push any agenda. I'm happy to learn and read stuff yeah. that's not like really pushy. Uh, but so what I saw last year was a lot of people who were very they were polarizing themselves because they're like, oh, this is the candidate, and if you don't believe in that, then I hate you and never follow me. And it's like. Okay, well, I mean, you're going to create your own little ecosystem of people, and that's that might be fine. But when we talk about multiple income streams, and we talk about you know uh, career stuff that's going to help us have a, a longer and a better and a richer career, and I, I want to build up an audience of people who are interested in improving their career. That that's my audience. That has nothing to do with what religion you are, yeah. what color you are, what your political affiliation is. So I don't go into those areas, right? So, anyways, that's my opinion. I think I think just keep it clean, especially like that's the conversation I would have had a year or two ago. But the big problem now for people that really want to spew their ideas is the cancel culture, and we've seen people with one yeah. tweet get fired, you know, whether they're celebrity level or they're at a small company or whatever, you just have to be careful. Um, And if you need to say this stuff, get a journal and write it in your journal that you don't share with anybody, right? Like if you have to share it, share it, write it in your journal, but uh, figure out why you're on, you know, any of these social environments and then keep true to that why. Yeah, that's great advice. That's absolutely great advice. So thank you very much for teaching me about all this stuff. Where can people find more? Well, I blog at jibberjobber.com. 
com slash blog jibber jobber with an o um i'm on twitter you know multiple times a day i'm jason alba at jason alba uh and then uh i'm on uh, i have about 30 something courses on plural site and uh those are the three main areas where you're going to find me online excellent and i will link to all of that in the show notes including to your newly updated course about personal branding Awesome. Thank you very thank much you. for being on the show today. Thanks, Barry. And thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Could you please go to ratethispodcast.com slash developerweekly and rate this podcast and leave a review. This helps me to spread the word about the podcast and helps other people to find it. That is ratethispodcast.com slash developerweekly. Thank you so much.